word. And if you have a Bible, please open up to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And if you do not have a Bible, please put up your hand and we can hand you one. Yes, someone needs a Bible there? A couple of people? So open up to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We are going to be reading from verses 1 to 14. Second Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> Let us pray before we come to the Word of God. Oh Lord, we are so thankful that you have gathered us this morning. And we thank you, Father, for your Word, the truth, where you reveal yourself to us. We thank you for the hope and assurance that the Bible gives to us. And we pray that you prepare us this morning to be teachable, to be attentive, and you would also be anointing the lips of the pastor as he brings us your message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So reading from 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, Grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve as my, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Louis, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through this, the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I am appointed as a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. This is the word of God. Well, welcome to church. What a wonderful morning it is to come together as God's people. And a warm welcome to you. If it's your first time joining us at CPE Church today, my name's Iggy. I'm one of the pastors here. And a big welcome to the kids in the service today as well. It's wonderful to have the kids with us. Uh, they're such a vital part of our church family. So it's wonderful we can gather together today. 
Now, I wonder what embarrassing story you shared. I'm keen to hear a few after the service, so please come up to me. Tell me all your embarrassing stories. I would love to hear that. Um, my embarrassing story is one that I've shared with some of you, so you might have heard it before. It did, it, it's a story that happened to me when I was in grade 9, uh, when I was 14 years old, which is the peak of wisdom, I believe, uh, 14 years old, which is why I decided to do something incredible, which was this. It was um, jump off uh, a little retaining wall at a friend's party to try and slam dunk a basketball on this basketball hoop because I thought, how cool would that be if I could slam dunk this basketball? Um, unfortunately, uh, this is what happened. Let me tell you what happened. So there I am on this wall. You know, I'm getting ready. I go, guys, watch this. I leap off the wall and I'm flying through the air, Air Jordan style, you know. Um, I dunk the ball. I miss the dunk. So the dunk, the ball goes out. Um, but, you know, I, had, I hung onto the rim because I had nowhere else to go. And then I pulled the entire thing down because it was one like this, right? It wasn't stuck in the ground. It just had this little water base. So I pulled the entire rim down. And I was coming crashing down to the ground. And then I fell on the ground uh, on the concrete. And this metal pole landed about 10 centimeters from my head. Um, so I almost died there. But the only thing I could think of was, uh, how embarrassing. There's some girls here. They saw that. <laughs> That's literally the only thought that was going through my head. I was. I was so embarrassed. So anyway, so I popped up and I was like, oh, don't worry, guys, I'm fine. Uh, I went through the entire party. You know, I went swimming. I did this. Uh, my arm was in so much pain, but I didn't let anyone know because I didn't want to be more embarrassed. So I just pretended I was okay. Uh, later on, I went to a doctor, found out I had fractured my arm. Uh, so I was like swimming with a fractured arm, trying to be cool. Like, you know, I'm fine, guys. Don't worry. I was so embarrassed. I just didn't want to admit that I was actually hurt. I didn't want to show... Uh, I didn't want to show it because I thought it was pretty, you know, it was pretty shameful, you know, especially in front of all your friends and, you know, high school friends. So I tried to hide it. Now, friends, I wonder, is that how we feel about Jesus sometimes? Have you, have you ever been embarrassed about being Christian? Let me ask you that question. Have you ever been embarrassed about that? Is, has it been something that you've tried to hide, tried to downplay, keep on the down low so that no one might notice? Let's be honest, at the best of times, being a Christian isn't a cool thing. It doesn't win you respect with your peers. Especially nowadays, you think about it, especially with the scandals in the wider church, with Hillsong, with Ravi Zacharias, with other Christian leaders, especially now with society's views on sexuality as well, and gender, being so counter to what the Bible says, we really stick out, don't we? It's so much easier to hide. So much easier to hide. Pretend that nothing's wrong. We're, we're just normal like everyone else. My friends, I want to show you today that you have good reason to not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. To not be ashamed, even when it brings suffering. And that's what 2 Timothy is going to um, show us today. So a really important message. Keep your Bibles open to that passage. We're going to be working through it. We're starting a short series on 2 Timothy this week called Kingdom Workers, where we'll see what it means to actually live for Jesus Christ, live for the gospel. To set the scene, uh, historians actually believe that this was um, the Apostle Paul's last letter he wrote before he was executed in Rome for standing up for Jesus. Right? It's his last word, so they're very, very important. He's writing from prison to his protege, his beloved spiritual son, Timothy, who's a young church leader, and he wants to encourage Timothy because the situation is getting more and more dangerous, more dangerous. 
Not only are the Jews out to get him, like they have always been from the start, but now the Roman Empire is even trying to stop this movement, this Christian movement they're seeing as being a threat. So everything is hostile now. It's a dangerous time. So Timothy and all the other Christians who read this letter need to hear this key message. The big themes of the whole book are this. Guard the gospel for the next generation and be prepared to suffer for the gospel. Guard the gospel for the next generation and be prepared to suffer for the gospel. It's a really relevant message for us today as we live in a hostile environment too. It's summed up at the end of today's passage actually. If you look at 2 Timothy 1 verse 13, have a look at verse 13 in your Bibles. What you heard from me Keep us a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That's, those are the big themes. Guard the good deposit. Keep the pattern of sound teaching. Hold on to the faith. Don't give up. All right? So we're going to get into it. The first point is this. The gospel for the next generation. Let's go back to the start of passage. 2 Timothy 1 verse 3. Have a look at verse 3 with me. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. As Timothy's called to guard the gospel for the next generation, Paul reminds him how he has been part of the gospel being passed down from generation to generation. This isn't the main point of the passage today, but I wanted to point it out because I think it's really important for us here. Parents, let me talk to you. Let me talk to you today. Okay? There's lots of parents with us today. Parents, you have the most important job in the world. The most important job in the world. Passing the gospel of Jesus Christ down to your children, down to the next generation. Did you see what happens here um, in verse 5? He's talking to Timothy, young Timothy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. There's a passing down of that good gospel deposit through the generations. Parents, nothing matters more. Nothing matters more than passing the gospel down to your children. Honestly. Mums. Don't ever think you are wasting your time when you spend time with your kids, loving them, nurturing them, raising them. That is not a waste of time. Fathers, let me talk to you. Don't just provide for your family financially. Provide for them spiritually. That is of infinitely more value. That means you need to be present. You need to be around. You need to keep turning up faithfully for your family, for your kids. And yes, that means things like uh, reading a kid's Bible with your children at breakfast. Yes, it means things like praying with them and teaching them to pray before they go to bed. But just as importantly, is modeling to them what it looks like to live for Jesus Christ. Your godliness, your church attendance, what you value. Your kids are absorbing that like a sponge. How you live is showing them what it means to live for Jesus Christ. That is so important. Parents, let me say something. You, you can't outsource discipleship. You can't. No Christian school, no Sunday school, even here at CP. No, that, 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 they're not going to do that for you. They might help a little bit, but it's your job. 
You have the biggest impact to disciple your children. And this is eternal value that we're talking about here. Don't give up, parents. Let me encourage you on this. I know it's hard sometimes. But don't give up. Don't give up on discipling your children, even when it's hard. This is eternity we're talking about. We're building foundations here for a lifetime of following Jesus Christ. A lifetime. So our kids will grow up and won't be ashamed of following Jesus Christ. And that's our next point. Do not be ashamed. <clears throat> Do not be ashamed. Have a look at verse 6 with me. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. Have a look in your Bibles with me. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave, gave sorry, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of my testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Now, what the Apostle Paul is essentially saying to Timothy here is, Timothy, don't be scared, right? Don't be afraid. Don't give up. You can imagine for Timothy, there's a lot to be scared of. There's a massive weight on his shoulders. Think about this guy. He's helping to lead the church. You know, he's got to keep preaching the gospel and he's got to do all that while there's Jewish opponents on one side and Roman opponents on the other side trying to take him down. That's a huge pressure for a young leader. And the temptation for Timothy is just to lay low, keep his head down, keep his head down until hopefully they won't see him. You know, maybe it'll just blow over. It'll be fine. But Paul encourages him that this is a time to step up. Verse 6, for this reason... I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. What Paul's saying here is, Timothy, you've been given gifts to serve God. You've been given gifts. He's been commissioned by Paul to preach the word. And chapter 4 tells us that Timothy actually has a gift of evangelism, a unique gift of evangelism. And Paul says to him, use it. Use it. Don't let that go cold. Just because... Things are hard out there. Don't, don't let your gifts go hidden away, cold. He wants him to fan those gifts into flame, to give, to give them more oxygen, to help his gifts burn brighter for Jesus Christ in the time where it would be most tempting to let them just go cold. That's the encouragement here. Verse 7. Why? Here's the reason. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Power love and self-discipline. <clears throat> God grants His Holy Spirit to every single person who believes in Jesus Christ. Remember that. And we're reminded over and over again in Scripture how the Spirit transforms our lives, completely transforms our lives. God does not grant us a spirit of weakness. He doesn't grant us a spirit of fear. No, no, it's completely the opposite. What's it say here? It's a, sp a spirit of power, power, love, and self-discipline. We've got to remember that, friends. Sometimes, or maybe often, we feel ill-equipped for the task of living for Jesus. We feel like we don't really have the strength, right? We're not quite ready for it. I wonder if you've ever felt like, I just can't do it. I can't do this whole Christian thing. But maybe we think like that because we've forgotten what we have inside of us. That we have God with us. The Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We, get, we forget that we have the power, the spirit of power, the spirit of love, the spirit of self-discipline 
The same Spirit that has brought us to confess Christ as Lord when we were dead in our sins so far away from Him. The same Spirit that enables us to fight sin and have victory over sin a little bit more each day, a little bit more like Jesus each day. That's what the Spirit does in us. This is the same Spirit that enables us to live, to live radically for Jesus, to actually love like Jesus loves. Friends, we have a life-changing, transforming power in us. I wonder if we've forgotten that. This is a spirit, the Holy Spirit, that is able to make us courageous. It's able to make us bold. If only, if only we are willing to depend on Him more and depend on ourselves less. He enables us not to be ashamed. Not to be ashamed. Have a look at verse 8 with me. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Do not be ashamed. Easier said than done, isn't it? Let's be real here. Being a follower of Jesus out there in this world, it doesn't bring us honor. It doesn't bring us honor. More often than not, it actually brings us shame. It's not cool. It's not something you bring up at a party to elevate your social status. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians says this. Listen to this. He says, The message of the cross is foolishness to a world that is perishing. The world out there, let me tell you, it literally thinks we are stupid for following this fairy tale about a guy called Jesus uh, saving everyone by dying and even more ridiculous, rising from the dead. Are you serious? That's what they're thinking. Even worse, this is what they think. You follow a guy that says this, you know, hold on to these primitive, old-fashioned beliefs about uh, men and women, about sexuality, about money. He even tells you to suffer for him. You've got to be kidding, right? You guys actually believe this? There are many people that think that in secret, but increasingly more and more, they're becoming more open about it, right? Did you notice that? The world's becoming more and more hostile. No religion is the fastest growing category of belief in Australia. And it's no longer a case of you can believe what you believe and then I'll believe what I believe, right? It's not, it's not like that anymore. It's moved to if you hold a different belief to me, you are evil. You can't do that. How dare you say that? The world isn't just neutral anymore. It's hostile. It's hostile. And this is the context we are called to not be ashamed of the gospel but instead be willing to suffer for the gospel. But it's so much easier to hide, isn't it? It's just so much easier. It's so much easier to just pretend that we're like everyone else, that, that we're normal. Guys, accept, uh, accept me. Honestly, I'm just the same as you. I do, I do the same things as you. I care about the same things as you. I'm, I'm normal. I swear I'm not weird. <laughs> That's what we're sort of saying to our world often. Let's be, let me be honest with you. Um, I find myself thinking like this even as a pastor sometimes. Um, when I go to a new setting, maybe it's like a, a friend's party or something, and the, the natural question you ask each other is, hey, so what do you do? Right? You ask each other because we attach our status, our meaning to our jobs. Let's be honest. That's how we do it in society. So they ask, what do you do? Um, and you know, I tell them, so I'm a pastor. You know, I work for the church. I'm a pastor. Let me tell you, as soon as I say that, I can feel their respect draining away from me. 
like a leaky container. And then, so I'm desperately trying to plug those holes. You know what? I, I off, this is what my, often I say this. I say, oh, but I was a pharmacist beforehand, you know, <laughs> to try and like bring my credit back up. Hey, actually, I, you know, I was, think, I was going to go into medicine before I made this decision. And even when they ask, so what do you do? I might say something like, um, oh, yeah, you know, at church we really love to help people, you know. Because that's pretty acceptable in society, to help others, help the down and out. And I think to myself that even as a pastor, oftentimes I'm ashamed of the glorious message of Jesus Christ, of life, death, and resurrection, that I have to try and downplay what the church is, what I do, what the gospel is. My temptation is to try and hide. Just maybe, maybe they'll accept me if I downplay what I do, what this Christian stuff is. Maybe if I just make it a bit more palatable, a bit more acceptable. My temptation is to hide. I wonder if that's your temptation as well. Are you ashamed of Jesus Christ? If I looked on your social media feed, what would it testify to? That you are a follower of Jesus Christ or you're a follower of the things of this world, just like everyone else? The call from God's word today is this. Do not be ashamed of Christ. Do not be ashamed of Christ, but be prepared to suffer for Christ. Suffer for him. How do we do that? We already mentioned in this passage before that we can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of power, love, and self-discipline that transforms us. This means praying hard to God that he may do a radical work in our hearts where we can stop caring so much about what other people think, but just care about what he thinks, that we can have an audience of one. And we start thinking about what our Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, thinks more than others. Friends, let go of your fears and pray, pray, pray. Honestly, that's what we need to do for that change. It's got to start on our knees. I honestly believe that. But I think as the passage goes on, that's not all. We'll see another aspect that helps us to do this, to not be ashamed of the gospel. It's seeing that Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. To be bold about something, when everyone else thinks it's shameful, you have to think that it's worth it, all right? You have to think it's worth it. To be able to suffer for something, you have to think it's worth it. For example, I'll just give you an example. For example, if for some reason, everyone started turning on my wife, Li Ching. Uh, everyone started becoming not a fan of hers, this, you know, turning on her. And to be, associated, uh, to be associated with my wife, you know, with leeching was to be a shameful thing. Uh, what do you think I would do? Do you think I'd just give her up and just go, oh, don't worry about that. It's all good. I don't want that shame. No, of course not. She's my wife. I will fight for her. I will protect her. I'll stick by her no matter what because I think she is so precious, much more than anyone else's opinion. I think that she's worth it. It's because I love her and I treasure her and I'll do anything to protect her. And I think that's how we need to see Jesus Christ. We need to think that he's worth it. If we, have, if we want any chance to not be ashamed of Jesus, we need to look at Jesus and to see that he is worth our all. And Paul goes on to show how worthy he is. 
Have a look at verse 9 with me. Have a look at these passages, these verses are amazing. Have a look at verse 9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I want us to stop here and just remember what Jesus Christ has done for us through the gospel. Look at what this passage says, verse 9. He has saved us. He saved us. He saved us. We were in deep trouble, hopeless, dead in our sin, completely cut off from God with no hope, absolutely no hope at all, destined for hell. That's where we were. And in that moment of our greatest need, Jesus steps in and he rescues us. He saves us. We were drowning in a sea of sin. And He rescues us. Why? Well, what does it say? Not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Right from the start, God had a big plan to save us. And it comes as an amazing free gift, an amazing free gift. That's what grace is. A few years back, I was um, at Waka Waka, Warrigal Square. Who likes Waka Waka, Warrigal Square? Yeah, a few, a few people. Some people tell me it's not like great. I love it. It's good. It's got like 200 things on the menu. You can have anything there. Yeah. Um, so I was there with the team, uh, the staff team a few years back. So a few different members from our current staff team. And we had just finished a big planning day. And I'd taken the team out to, you know, shout them lunch and go, hey, good job for the planning day, guys. We worked really hard. Um, and, you know, we had this lunch. And it was wonderful. And I went to pay at the counter. And I went up to the counter to pay. And then the guy said to me, hey, your table's already paid for. I'm like, what? How'd that happen? He said, oh, there was a guy in the corner that actually paid for your table. And he's, he's gone now. I was like, I was amazed. I was shocked. Um, and I realized the guy in the corner was actually an old friend of mine. Um, who, um, you know, I just bumped into when I walked in and said hi to him, uh, and he had decided to pay for our whole table. Why did he do that? He didn't know anyone on the team except for me, and even me, like, we probably hadn't talked for about five months prior to that, you know, I just said a quick hello to him. Why would he pay our bill, pay for our entire table? It wasn't a small bill, by the way. <laughs> pay for everyone there. Was it because we had done anything to earn that? Was it because we had treated him really well? No, he did that purely out of his love for us, honestly. Out of his generosity. Out of his grace. It was a free gift. And let me tell you, the entire table, the entire team was amazed. They were shocked, like, what? How did that happen? Jane's nodding. I, I, Jane was there. I, she remembers. It was, we were like, we didn't deserve that. Why did that happen? But friends, that's just a little reflection of what we get in Christ Jesus. Jesus didn't die for us when we had earned it. He didn't pay our sins, pay for our sins, wipe our bill clean, our debt clean when we deserved it, when we were perfect little holy Christians who had earned it. But when we were at our worst, that's when Jesus died for us. We didn't deserve it, but that's the point. That's what grace is. It's a free gift. And this isn't just a meal that we are talking about, friends. Have a look at what we get. 
This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to life, to light through the gospel. Read those verses. Did you see that? He's destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Come on. How good's that? Do you realize what that means? That death is, has been defeated. That the enemy that no one can defeat, this one undefeatable enemy, even Elon Musk with all his riches, he can't do anything about death, but Jesus can. He's beat death. He's crushed death. And he's brought life and immortality through the gospel. This is a crazy gift when you think about it. It means that no matter what happens to our frail, earthly, broken bodies here in this world, that we have the promise of perfection, of redeemed bodies, of eternal life, of a resurrection body, of no more sin, suffering, pain, no more death anymore, that we get to be in the presence of God Himself, to see Him face to face, that this is not just a vain hope, that maybe it will happen in the future, but it's been guaranteed because Christ has secured that for us. We have this, this hope of immortality, of life. We get to experience joy that nothing in this world ever comes close to because we get to be in the presence of God. And we get that because Jesus gives it to us freely through his death and resurrection. We get that because Jesus loves us. Think about this. Jesus wasn't ashamed of you, even though he had every right to be. But he was shamed for you. The King of Heaven humbled himself to die on a cross, the lowliest of deaths, to die the most shameful death that was even possible for humans, the death of a criminal condemned by all. He hung there naked, beaten, bleeding, spat on, a sight that you would have had to turn your eyes away from because you're so shameful. You, you wouldn't have even been able to watch. That's how shameful that sight was. And he endured that for us. So I wonder, what will you endure for Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? The Apostle Paul, he's clear how he will respond. Have a look at verse 11 with me. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. This is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. For Paul, suffering for Jesus isn't a symbol of shame. It's a badge of honor. You see that? This is no cause for shame, he says. He loves it. It means that he's standing for Jesus, that he belongs to Jesus Christ. And I think he can only say that because he thinks Jesus is worth it. He knows Jesus is worth it. That nothing is more precious than this. If our shame our suffering enables us to bring Jesus just a little bit more honor. Isn't it worth it? If we can bring just a tiny bit of honor to our King and Savior who has sacrificed his life for us, isn't that worth it? Just a tiny bit. 
Friends, I think the biggest reason that we're ashamed of Jesus is because we've forgotten who he is. We've forgotten what he's done for us. And we need to remind ourselves continually that he's worth it. (coughs) Personal devotions, life groups, church every single week because we're so forgetful. We need to keep looking at Jesus and marveling at what he has done for us so we can be bold. Let me just draw things together. It's not a friendly world to Christians out there. But I want to remind you all today, those of you who believe in Jesus Christ and those of you who don't, I'm so glad that you're here with us today to learn more about our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. But let me just talk to the Christians for a moment. Brother and sister in Christ, you have a spirit of power, love and self-discipline living in you. It's fueling you to do big things for Jesus if you'll just let it. If you'll just let him do work in your, that work in your heart. And if you have, a save, you have a savior, think about this, worthy of all honor, glory, and praise. So let me encourage you today, don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. I know many of us have spent so long hiding, so maybe we don't know where to start. We, we just need to start small, exercise those evangelistic muscles. Sue's helpfully helped us think through the building gospel friendships um, beforehand. Um, and it really starts by just letting people know you're a Christian. I wonder how many of us in our schools, in our unis, in our workplaces, that our friends don't even realize that we're a Christian. I wonder if that's the case for you. The way this naturally comes about is, you know, when people ask about your weekend, you know, what did you do on the weekend? Uh, you ask others about that. You know, what should your response be? Boldly tell people, you went to church, right? It just starts there. You don't need to be some soapbox evangelism, evangelistic guy, you know, shouting in their face to repent. You just got to tell people, I went to church on the weekend. That's identifying you with Jesus Christ. That's a step to take forward with Jesus, to stand firm for Jesus, right? You can do that. All of us can do that. And, you know, as you get more comfortable, you know, you, you might find that this opens up conversations for you. As people ask, oh, okay, so what did you do there? Or maybe they don't really want to know. But you can actually share a little bit. You can say things like, yeah, I went to church on the weekend. I learned about what it means to not be ashamed of being a Christian. And they might ask, why, why are you learning about that stuff? Is it hard to be a Christian? Sort of thing. You can actually have a conversation about these things. If you're willing to take a little step to actually be bold, to not be ashamed for Jesus. Another thing I'd encourage you all to do is to practice your testimony. I think all of us should have like a two-minute version of how we came to know Jesus Christ up our sleeve, ready to tell people at all times. Because there are going to be people that ask you, oh, so how come you decided to be a Christian? We need to be ready to give a reason for what we believe. A two-minute testimony up our sleeve. Because let me tell you, Whilst people will be opposed to the message of the gospel, they will argue that when you tell a personal story of how Jesus affected you, people, they can't argue that. You know, they're not going to go, nah, that didn't happen to you. They'll listen. They will listen. So having a testimony up your sleeve is really important as well. Friends, they're just a few practical things to start thinking about as we think about being bold for Jesus. But I am convinced it starts with the Spirit's power the power of the Spirit working in our hearts to make us bold, to make us courageous, just like that early church in Acts where the Spirit came 
upon them and they were proclaiming the gospel to thousands upon thousands where they had been hiding, ashamed, in a room away from everyone else beforehand. We, we have that power in us. That's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So if we do believe that, we need to pray. And I want to pray for all of you today. I want you to get to do, I want you all to do something now. I want you all to close your eyes, right? I want everyone to close your eyes, right? And I want you, no one's watching, all right? I want you to raise your hand today if you want to recommit to being unashamed for Jesus Christ, right? It's only, only God's, God's going to see this, you know, no one else. Raise your hand if you just want to recommit to being unashamed for Jesus Christ today. This is your opportunity. Just take a little step, you know. It's a physical action that shows your heart that maybe today you want to be a little bit braver, a little bit more courageous, a little bit more bold because Jesus is worth it. That's awesome, guys. Let me pray. Let me just pray. Father God, we're so sorry for the times that we've thought you unworthy to talk about. That we've hidden away Jesus Christ. Because maybe our friends didn't like that. Please forgive us for that. But we want to ask that you embolden us. That you give us the power. That you make us bold, courageous, and brave for Jesus because we remember who he is. Help us to never forget what our Savior has done for us. How unworthy we were, yet he esteemed us and held us up as people worthy to be saved. So may we live a life that may be just a little bit more bold, that may bring him a little bit more honor, that we may be willing to suffer because he has suffered the greatest shame for us. He's loved us so much. Help us, Father. We can't do this by ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to spend a bit of time just continuing to reflect, friends. And maybe you want to keep praying. You want to keep praying to God in this moment to just ask for his help. Maybe you just want to reflect on things we've heard. Just take a few minutes to do that as we meditate on God's word.